Not long ago, podcasts were a brand new medium. There weren't that many out there and not many people were downloading them. But more than a decade later, it has become one of the more popular forms of storytelling. And the number of podcast feeds alone keep growing. I think somebody told me that in the iTunes store there are 300,000 podcasts. But there always seems to be a confusion of what makes a podcast a podcast. Is it just audio on demand? Does it have to have a format to it? Is there a certain length? That's why this week we talked with WNYC's Chief Content Officer, Dean Capello, about podcasting. Dean, let me just start off with one question. What is a podcast? Well, that's uh, you're going to start a big fight there, but a podcast is basically some kind of audio content that's made available on demand to you. So you can go to a website, find it, download it to a device like your smartphone, um, or click on it and listen on a website. So it's basically audio content that's not on the radio but delivered digitally through some device. But what makes podcasting different from, say, finding a file online and downloading it on your own? What makes it unique? Well, I mean, in, in some ways, you know, those are those would be considered podcasts. But I think uh, if you look, for instance, the big bump in listening to podcasts happened when Apple decided to create an app called the Podcast App and put it on the home screen of smartphones. You can go in and search for a topic that you like or search for a show that you know and all of a sudden find it and just hit the subscribe button and it starts downloading things to your phone. So there's not the kind of technical know-how that you need. It's a much, much easier, less friction-filled experience in downloading it. And that, I think has made it something that a lot more people are using. If you can use an app, you can figure out how to download something onto your phone, as opposed to the old days of finding files and having to have a special software application or knowing how to move it from your desktop to your phone. It's just, it's been made much, much easier. And I think it's getting easier all the time. And this is, you know, the next wave of this will come when there are connected cars where it'll, it'll, you'll be able to get the entire world of audio sitting on your four wheels somehow. The big message here, I think, about podcasting is that it allows you to take control of what you want to listen to as opposed to turning on a station that somebody has programmed for you. And if you're a radio listener, you can use podcasts. If you're a podcast listener, you can still enjoy the radio. They have perhaps different roles to play, but one is about the convenience of just being able to get what you want when you want it. Do you see podcasting as the future of radio? Um, I think radio will be radio, and radio has survived attack after attack after attack and being, you know, pronounced dead several times, starting with, you know, the rise of television. So it t- radio tends to transform itself. The live broadcast experience, I think, cannot be beaten for the communal experience of listening to something happen, you know, together. It's the big unfolding story or the interesting story or the urgent snowstorm, whatever it is, radio will continue to do that, I think, incredibly well, and that local radio, very specifically, will continue to thrive, my feeling is. So now I think you're going to have much, much more choice. As a listener, you'll be able to go out and find the obscure thing that you really love and bring it to you. But it doesn't negate you know, the value of what radio does. I think what's most interesting to me about 
the rise of podcasting over the last couple of years. And if you use Serial as an example, you know, the, the very successful podcast Serial, there are many people who I know who don't have another moment to spend on anything in their day who said to me, I just listened to all of Serial, which is, you know, 10 hours of audio content. Or people who are saying that they binge-watched House of Cards. I think what uh, my point is that for really great content, people will make the time because they're getting something back for it. Audio ends up on your smartphone and you're, for instance, here in New York City, if you're underground for an hour each day, you don't have Wi-Fi, you don't have other things. So downloading something to listen on your phone makes a great deal of sense. I just think we're witnessing now the radio programmer is no longer in control of what's listening, but the person who is a listener is in control of what is going to be put in front of them. And and that that's really the big the big change. But, you know, I think it's really exciting to be able to listen to, say, a BBC program that might be live on Radio 4 at a time that I can't listen, but I could go back and find it and enjoy it. And, you know, I listen to BBC News Quiz, which is a really terrific, fun panel show in the BBC style. I can't listen to it when it airs Friday nights on BBC in London, but I can enjoy the podcast. Podcasting is often I see compared to Netflix. Do you see podcasting as, you know, a way of radio to Netflix itself? Uh, Yeah, in a sense. I mean, I think the big message, the reason why I speak of those things in the same breath is because I think we live in an extraordinary time of amazing content from creators of all description, that there's never been a better time. I suppose this is probably what it was like to live through some boom in people writing novels and people reading novels, that all of a sudden there's all this kind of choice and variety. I I do think that the best audio content, and this is true of radio, but the best audio content in the podcasting world is analogous to the next hit show from Netflix or HBO, and that you just have an audience of smart, motivated, interesting people who want to find things that speak to them in some way. And so some people are working in television or film, some people are working in audio, some people are working in music, some people are writing. Um, I think audio is kind of now finding a bigger and bigger audience because people who are producing really good stuff before would have had a very narrow pathway to getting it to a listener. We're in the audio business, but we're also just in the really smart content business. So anything that's good and interesting and fun and, and meets your personal passion it will will inevitably you'll kind of know about it somehow so i i that's why i think they're analogous secondly yeah netflix has driven the culture of consuming on demand that once people started really gravitating toward that activity you know they don't want to be, go back to watching a linear stream that somebody else produced for them and there will be people who will continue to do it but if you talk to somebody who's 20 now by the time they're you know 32 they're not going to be thinking i wonder you know is, is that thing on cbs tonight at eight o'clock so you know the audience is leading us in that direction because if the goal is to produce something really great and get it in front of as many people to enjoy as you can then you have to package it up in some way that makes sense to them as they consume it. You said earlier that content is really what drives a lot of this. Do you find that there are any certain topics that do 
exceptionally well? Does it just need to be uh, intelligent and interesting? Well, you know, we have we definitely have a very specific point of view. And if you look across all the things that we produce, we tend not to produce by topic. We tend to find interesting people and personalities and people who have kind of a point of view about something and then find a way to produce something with them. So whether it's we just recently released a podcast called Two Dope Queens, which features Jessica Williams from The Daily Show and her comedy partner, Phoebe Robinson. They happen to do stand-up and storytelling, but we really like them. We fell in love with them, and so we wanted to produce something with them, and this is what came out of it. Radiolab was about working with Jad and Robert to allow them to produce the thing that was most interesting to them. We didn't actually start out saying, let's do something that has science in it and has ethics in it and has these other things. We just said, we like Jad and Robert. So very specifically for us, we tend to find people who are interesting and then figure out what it is they want to do. And that, you know, smart, motivated, interesting people with things to say will inevitably find an audience. I know that there are lots of people who love to be smarter and who are willing to spend the time to listen to things that they find interesting. So I think a lot of what we do and a lot of what public radio and public radio podcasting gives you are, you know, the sort of the big topics and this idea that, you know, it's kind of like if you see the next Malcolm Gladwell book come out, all of a sudden in New York City, you'll see everybody on the train reading the same book. And we, you know, we know that there's a big demand for people who consider themselves lifelong learners. They're kind of always in taking in information mode. And so I think we're somewhere between the high personality and the information space. And that's like right in the middle of it is, I think, where we live. It's not necessarily specific topics, but it is this idea that we recognize that the world is not a neatly tied up place and that you want to consume a lot of information and then you want to figure out what to do with it. Do you have any tips for making a successful podcast for some of our listeners? Yeah, I think somebody told me that in the iTunes store, there are 300,000 podcasts. So, <laughs> obviously, there are a lot of people who are deciding to make things for themselves. I mean, I think there are a couple of things. You know, sometimes when I go to um, speak to colleges where, where you know, the college radio station where people want to do this either semi-professionally or professionally, we often get into, I, I make people stand up and pitch me ideas because I think it's the best way to, to hone something in a way that makes it useful. And there are a couple of questions that people just don't ask themselves walking into it. So, you know, I would say podcast, the rise of people producing their own podcasts is sort of analogous or related to the rise of a social media culture, which is that I have a platform, I have a point of view I want to express, I have a community of people I've cultivated, and now let me go produce this. I think the one difference and the thing I think you have to ask yourself all the time, whether you're just tweeting something or you're creating a podcast is, you know, who is at the center of my audience for this? that move yourself from thinking about, I have something I want to say, to I have something I want to say to this group of people. And even if that bullseye of the person you want to speak to seems kind of narrow, I think it really helps ground you in in understanding that you're, you're speaking in a way that will be heard by one person with earbuds in who's chosen to download and listen to your thing. So I think a mistake that a lot of people make is that they kind of like to sit around the table and entertain themselves and each other. And sometimes that leaves the audience out of the equation. So, you know, my one rule of thumb is think of it like you would think about inviting people to your house for dinner. If you're putting a bunch of people together 
around the table and you know include the audience as part of that around the table you would make sure that you were initiating the conversation you were listening carefully you were feeding back to people you were making sure that you know this person met that person you'd you'd be a kind of great companion and you know if you can kind of lock that down and actually have something to say that you think is set in the context of being a kind of universal story you can succeed. And then I think there's just a general <laughs> rule I always observe, which is, you know, when you're doing this, surround yourself with the smartest people you can. Always look for people, you know, who are smarter than you and will speak very honestly to you because I think if you allow them into your process, and that could be a mentor, it could be somebody whose opinion you trust, whatever it is, I think as you allow more people into the process, it's going to force you to open yourself up in a way that will directly translate. You know, at the end of the day, it's a performance of a kind that you have to kind of live up to. So I I think what a lot of people like to do is sit with their computer and record something and then just put it out. And you won't really get any traction doing that, you know, to really think very actively about what is it that I want to say and who am I saying it to? And how does that connect to what other people's interests are out there? That's, I think, you know, that's probably the table stakes of getting involved. Now, since this podcasting thing is a newer endeavor for us here at WAMC, I'd appreciate it if you'd subscribe, leave a review, or even email us at everythingexplained at wamc.org. Currently, we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can check us out or any of our other podcasts. I'm your host and producer, Patrick Garrett.